Thank you for listening to PBF Public Radio, Radio Free America. Once again, I am broadcasting to you from my cell phone, my mobile device here, as I'm still having, um, well, I still don't have a modem which is uh, a wee bit challenging here. However, we're still getting it out there, so I appreciate you taking a listen. Um, Have been assured that a modem shall be here soon. Hopefully today. At which point, you won't have (laughs) the sound this way. I'm sure, though. There will still be those to which I have not quite yet achieved the sound audio engineer sound, which they would like to hear. Be assured that I'm working on it. So what is going on? So. (laughs) Ballots. Ballots, recounts, ballots, ballots, counts, recounts. Suddenly in a county yesterday, we were told that Georgia found 2,600 ballots. And you will never guess which company owned the machines, which did not count this. Dominion. Now, Brad Raffensperger, who is Georgia's Secretary of State, blamed the problem on Floyd County election officials failing to upload votes from a memory card in a ballot scanning machine. And, I mean, that would be crazy if it was true. And so I did a little digging on my mobile device today. And guess what? During the hand recount, they discovered these votes. This piece comes from the Guga Valley News. With members of both the local Democratic and Republican parties observing hand counting of presidential votes in Floyd County, it appears that close to 3,000 ballots were not counted on election night. (laughs) According to Board of Elections Chairman Tom Reese, the hand count added 2,631 more votes than were registered by computers. That number was released on Monday after nearly 
2,000, or excuse me, 2,000, no, only 20 hours of hand counting over the weekend. Now realize too, they're just counting what they already counted, which I thought wasn't going to uncover anything. But knowing our friends at Dominion, maybe they're going to find something. But here's the thing. It appears that these votes did not come from the day of voting or absentee, but rather early voting. <laughs> According to Luke Martin, Floyd County GOP chairman, it is scary that this happened in Floyd County. Imagine what the numbers would look like in places. This is, it's scary that it happened in Floyd County, but imagine what the numbers would look like in places like Fulton County. It appears that our elections office did not misplace any ballots. Rather, it appears as if this is a computer software mishap from Dominion Software. Another glitch. <sighs> of the 2,631 votes, sources at the elections office told CBN that appeared that between 1,600 and 1,900 were cast for President Trump. Now, Project Veritas put out a video as well about Georgia where they have people recounting these ballots by hand and just in a very short period of time where they've got observers, three of the votes which were intended for Trump, they caught someone giving those to Biden. Now, that's in a, uh, just a short time frame that that occurred. One of the issues as well is they don't have very many observers there. By not having very many observers there, what's being counted? If it's just over a very short time frame, I suggest you check out Project Veritas to see what I'm talking about here. So they're doing a recount, but they're not doing an audit. I sincerely hope that there is going to be an effort now to engage in an actual audit of this election because there's too many things going on here. And... Uh, Sidney Powell, General Flynn's lawyer in his ongoing case has brought to light many, many interesting things. And she went on Lou Dobbs' show yesterday. I would suggest you take a look at that because Sidney highlights how Dominion software I'm sorry, it wasn't Dominion. It's one of those companies that works with Dominion. And I'm, and I'm sorry here because, again, I'm working off my phone. And so I, everything here, essentially, if I don't have an article specifically on my phone, I'm doing from memory. So I apologize. And again, thanks for checking this out. So um, the software, the election software, which is also used here in the States, apparently... She has a sworn affidavit 
that shows people talking about how this software was switching votes. Now, if you do follow our Telegram, Telegram Messenger, link is in our link tree in our bio. That will take you there. We do have a couple of the clips from her talking about this on Lou Dobbs show. But it shows the power that this software has. And apparently, there's a lot of money behind this company that comes from Venezuela and Cuba. Not kidding you. This is a fact. And this is being used in elections. There are so many roads I could go down with that one. We just don't have the time. But back before I close out this piece. By calculations, 38,588 votes were cast in the presidential elections in Floyd County, meaning the ballots found equal 6.8% of votes not originally counted. And we also know that they threw out an election some of the counts in Clark County yesterday, and Trump tweeted about this. We're supposed to be a first world country, and you know, two weeks ago, I was dumbfounded at how we were unable to find votes, count votes, excuse me, find votes. <laughs> no, I'm not that party. It's, it's so absurd. Here's a quick little uh, note, because I've talked about this a lot. Hate crimes are at an all-time high, according to the latest statistics released by the FBI. This is for 2019 on the FBI's website. The numbers saw a 7,314 hate crimes in 2019, up from 7,120 the highest level in 12 years. The report shows that 51 people were killed in hate crimes. 21 of those were the shooting in El Paso. El Paso, Texas. The gentleman with some lefty ideas. I don't know where he falls. He's not the shooter, obviously, in Ohio. That was complete Bernie bro. But this guy, obviously, he's got a gun. So right wing, right? But. The hate crimes against Jews are on the rise. 14% increase against Jews and in Jewish institutions, the report found. Many of those are in the New York City area. But guess what? You haven't heard a lot about this. Why do you think that is? In many instances, it was African Americans. The number of hate crimes against African Americans dropped slightly to 1930 from 1943. However, crimes against Hispanics rose to 527 in 2019 from 485. 17% of all hate crimes were motivated by sexual orientation, a number that remained relatively stable. In CNN, those wonderful, wonderful people. Did you know that, according to CNN, that even a negative coronavirus test is not reliable if you want to spend Thanksgiving with your family? 
According to uh, their emergency medicine physician, Dr. Leanna Wen, we know that the incubation period for COVID-19 is up to 14 days. And before that, you could be testing negative and have no symptoms. But you could actually be harboring the virus and able to transmit it to others. So basically, what they're saying is if you want to visit your family and celebrate, self-quarantine for 14 days beforehand is best. Did you guys lock up yet? If you're going to go visit your family, right? It is quite insane here. Um, I've got another piece here. Give me a second because I got to get back into my phone and I got to find the little piece because I don't know how many of you heard about this. Trump lawyer complains of harassing call from attorney of opposing team. So, a lawyer spearheading the efforts by President Donald Trump's campaign to dispute the election results in Pennsylvania complained to a federal court Sunday that she received an abusive telephone message from an attorney at the elite law firm representing the state, Kirkland and Ellis. The Trump campaign lawyer, Linda Kearns of Philadelphia, said she received the one-minute-long voice call Saturday morning from an associate, a very junior attorney. Let's make sure you know it's a very junior attorney, right? <laughs> because it's not the senior officials. They would never do that. A very junior attorney based in Kirkland's Washington, D.C. office. Kern did not identify the Kirkland attorney by name or provide other details about the message, but said the communication by any measure falls afoul of standards of professional conduct. Kern's filing said a Kirkland attorney working on the Pennsylvania suit told her that the lawyer who made the call was not involved in the case. Oh, well, that's okay then. Kern said the attorney she contacted admitted the call was discourteous and apologized for wasting her time. They're harassing these people. They're harassing lawyers who are handling these cases. Why would they be doing that? I think we know why. Okay. Here's a cool little story out of New York. Three more New York sheriffs won't say they won't enforce Cuomo's Thanksgiving limit. Three more upstate New York sheriffs have announced their refusal to enforce the state's private gathering limit on Thanksgiving. In a scathing Facebook post on Saturday, Fulton County Sheriff Richard Giardino questioned the legality of Governor Cuomo's newly instituted 10-person cap on parties and other gatherings in private residences. Frankly, I am not sure it could sustain a constitutional challenge in court for several reasons, including your house is your castle, the sheriff wrote in the Saturday Post. And as a sheriff with a law degree, I couldn't in good faith attempt to defend it in court, so I won't. Giardino notes his office with limited resources has scant legal options to enter private homes other than search warrants, invitations, or under an emergency circumstance. So then this also goes on to say Washington County Sheriff will not be doing this and Saratoga County Michael Zerlo will not be doing this. 
I can't see how devoting our resources to counting cars in citizens' driveways or investigating how much turkey and dressing they've purchased is good for the public. Last Friday, two days after Cuomo announced the new restrictions, Erie County Sheriff Tim Howard said his office would ignore the indoor gathering limit. Sorry, Andy. They're not going to enforce your BS. Especially, did you see this too as well? So, our good friend out in California, Gavin Newsom, implemented tight lockdowns again. Of course, after he was attending a huge dinner at the laundry, which he's apologized for. And then a bunch of lawmakers flew off to Hawaii while everybody in their state is being locked out. And they're going to Hawaii to meet with lobbyists. Rules for thee, but not for me as per standard protocol. And let's see what else we've got here. This was an interesting little piece uh, written by Daniel Gellertner. Social media censorship shows the wind and we all reap the whirlwind. Google, Facebook, and Twitter wanted to make a happier world in which we weren't troubled by wrong information or misleading ideas. Instead, they have led America to the brink of genuine catastrophe. My encounter with social media fact-checking was over a year ago. When Facebook appended a false information tag to a meme I had posted about World War II, of all things. An article by PolitiFact, to which Facebook directed everyone who saw this meme, informed us that careful research had proved that gun control did not, in fact, help advance the Holocaust. And so, it was not fair to use the Holocaust as an argument against gun control. One problem with this article is the touchingly naive idea that a complex question over which historians continue to argue could be stamped true or false as though it were a fact you'd simply been too lazy to, to look up. A second problem is that this fact-checking article is full of factual errors. But that's not surprising when such articles are genuinely generally written by 20-something journalism school graduates who became an expert in World War II that afternoon after her supervisor told her to research a meme on the internet. And it's funny, too, because, you know, we get multiple fact checks on our, anything we post anymore on Instagram. And we actually had somebody come into the comments last week and say that because Instagram has done that, that we're wrong. When you've got kids searching on the internet who don't know a lot and they can find the facts to match whatever they want, can decide what is and isn't truth. But unironically, the person did not see the problem with that. The biggest problem, however, was that Facebook had decided that this question, remote and unimportant as it might be in our daily lives, was something you should be allowed, you should not be allowed to think about. If you thought about it yourself, unguided as you were 
say, an adult and not a school child, you might come to the wrong conclusion unless you be misled into thinking there was a connection between gun control and tyranny. Facebook had looked into the matter for you, and don't worry, they found there wasn't any connection. So you can rest easy and move on to the fluffy kitten pictures. I thought that Facebook's obnoxious four-way into the realm of telling us what to think might disappear with as little fanfare as it had arrived. But before we knew it, the fact-checkers were everywhere and on every platform. Suddenly, posts and comments on Facebook weren't simply tagged as false. They were being removed completely, blasted off the face of the digital landscape. Facebook came up with a new category of prohibited posts, information taken out of context that was used just a few days ago to warn users against a meme of Stalin saying the elections are decided by the people who count the votes, not by the people who cast them. Facebook's explanation of the context, Stalin may have said that, but he wasn't talking about general elections since they didn't have those in the Soviet Russia. So clearly this meme is wrong. Twitter covered up tweets with warnings and prevented other users from liking or retweeting them. We try to prevent a tweet like this that otherwise breaks the Twitter rules from reaching more people, Twitter says when you try to retweet. So we have disabled most of the ways to engage with it. Screen cap, people. Learn to screen cap. Screen cap this stuff so you can share it, because it's absurd. Google de-emphasized search results to steer users to approved opinions, and YouTube removed videos that pushed what they regarded as unsubstantiated conspiracy theories. This included, for example, YouTube's removal of a Breitbart video in which doctors praised hydro hydroxychloroquine as an effective drug in the treatment of COVID-19. These doctors evidently hadn't heard that the science on that point was settled, just like the meme about World War II. Users' accounts were suspended, banned, demonetized, and prevented from posting for taking the wrong side on important contemporary issues. One black Trump supporter posted a video complaining about how he'd been suspended for what Facebook called inauthentic behavior. That sounds racist to me, but Facebook will tell me it's not. Just before the presidential election, a leading New York newspaper solicited my father, computer scientist David Gerlitner, for an article on the subject of social media censorship. He wrote it together. We wrote it together, excuse me. The article was never published. This was the closing paragraph. This issue will come to a head in one month, far before the government or the judiciary or even private industry can do anything about it. Big tech, whose directors and employees donate so overwhelmingly to Democrat candidates and causatives, will use the tools to develop the tools developed and they're running experiments and censorship at, in an attempt to control and channel national conversation on election night in the days following. There's nothing you can do to stop it. For this election, at least, it is too late. The only thing you can do is be aware that it is happening. And now my left liberal friends who spent the last four years chanting Russia, 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 suddenly think it's insane to question the integrity of our elections. The mainstream media has made their call on the winner, but it's social media that will Make sure it stays that way. Search for any election video on YouTube, and YouTube puts this notice before the frame. The AP has called the presidential race for Joe Biden. Robust safeguards help ensure the integrity of election and results. Any election-related post on Facebook will have a card attached beneath that directs users to Facebook's own voting information center, which contains facts about the election. For example, election officials follow strict rules when it comes to ballot counting, handling and reporting, or 
Both voting in person and voting by mail have a long history of trustworthiness and the U.S. voter fraud is extremely rare across voting methods. Begin typing fraud in Twitter search bar and rather than suggestions for tweets or topics, you'll see little notice saying U.S. elections voter fraud of any kind is exceedingly rare. Search for fraud in Twitter's type ahead will act as though the hashtag doesn't exist. You could forgive some of my conservative friends for feeling despondent in the wake of the election. Despite the unanimous chorus of official sources repeating the same story almost word for word, there's a nagging feeling of discontent. There was no rioting, no looting, not a single window smashed, but more than 70 million Americans aren't satisfied. The media prepared us with the story of Red Mirage to explain why we would go to sleep with Trump in the lead on battleground states. Color Revolution, <clears throat> episode 58, <clears throat> only to wake up in the morning to see that he had lost. But why did the Red Mirage only happen in states that didn't count their mail-in ballots until after the election? How do 100,000 votes appear all for Biden and only for Biden with no down ballot votes for other offices? We aren't allowed to ask or even it would seem to think about it. Just as when President Trump said at a town hall that he didn't know for certain that QAnon believed and the moderator interrupted and said, I just told you as though that was that the social media elites with their million mind megaphones have told you the truth. It's the only truth. They've spoken it to power and is all you need to know. But underneath this confident swagger, a hint of panic is sweeping into the reportage. What happens, the intellectual wonders, if we can't hold on to this election for Biden? That is why we suddenly see articles popping up hinting or even stating explicitly without so much as a fact check that Trump is staging a coup. That he might use legal tricks or even military force to stay in power. This, believe it or not, is the backup plan to tell us that while elections cannot be stolen, Trump might steal the election, just like he stole the last one. And this is a very dangerous game. The mainstream media and social media together have sown the wind, but the whirlwind will come not from the right, but from the left, from their own comrades and foot soldiers of progressivism. If Trump loses... You have more than 72 million Americans who may feel that elections have no meaning and that there is no point in voting again. And that's a terrible, terrible thing. But if Trump wins, and in the article, the author thinks he will, what then can we expect from the people who organized CHOP and BLM and Antifa? Blam Tifa. What can we expect from the other 70 million Americans, the ones who believe the media's lying, that the only way Trump can win in, in staying in office is by becoming an ipso facto dictator. And what happens to the stores that, unlike Apple or Madison Avenue, can't afford to hire contractors to put up color-themed plywood barriers? What happens to the homes that, unlike the posh Park Avenue buildings, can't afford to hire their own armed guards? Google, Facebook, Twitter, and others have overplayed their hand dangerously. They wanted to create a happier world in which we weren't troubled by wrong information or misleading ideas. Instead, they have led America by the nose to the brink of genuine catastrophe. 
they're they've already got their excuses prepared. They've got the explanation all worked out. It was Trump's fault. But they may find one day soon that Americans have had enough of them. And so this Gellertner is the CEO of Detach, D-I-T-T-A-C-H. Once again, I thank you all for taking the time to listen to this podcast from my phone. I realize it's not the best audio quality. It's not sound engineer level. But I wanted to make sure I'm sharing the information out there as I find it. This is Romeo, one Oscar, and I am out. (laughs) 